This episode is sponsored by Camp Carpe Diem, the coolest adult camp ever, where you'll come to explore your interests, find your tribe, all at Ure, Colorado, October 2021. For all the information and to come hang out with us, go to campcarpediem.com. That's C-A-M-P-C-A-R-P-E-D-I-E-M.com. We're going to get giddy in October. For me, it was like with the archaeology, the classics, um, it was all sort of like about storytelling and like creating a place where people would feel comfortable and having a beer and like telling, stor- telling their stories. And um, I think, you know, one of the things that when I say like, not in a huge hurry to get back into it, I, I like, I need to go out and like have some adventures and stories before like. <laughs> shackling myself it's the wrong way to think about it but it's still it's still been so six months so it's still shackling but yeah. before sort of engaging in another project of that you know, magnitude commitment welcome to the craft beer travel and adventure podcast with living a stout life this is where we sit down with creative thinkers on the road adventurers and craft beer lovers your hosts ken and april live work and travel in a 24-foot rv in search of inspiring stories around a great beer are you an intrepid sojourner? Oh, are you asking me? Yeah. I thought you were asking. Oh, the friends. audience? I can ask the audience too. They're not an audience. My They're friends. Our friends. My friends. Your, your friends. friends. And their friends. We all get together now. My friends. Okay, so anyhow, you, <laughs> my friends, our friends, or the you, Kenny. Yes, ma'am. Are you an intrepid sojourner? Yes. Good answer. What the hell is an intrepid sojourner? You can't ask me that. I cannot define it. Intrepid is fearless. Fearless. Yes, I'm fearless. Sojourner could be several things, but I like adventurer or traveler. I would say we fit that. Yeah. I don't know if I'd say I'm fearless, though. I mean, I have less fear of traveling than some people, but I still get scared of things. Like riding my bike next to a cliff edge, that scares the crap out of me. Wait. I mean, I suppose technically fearless means without fear, but... Are you really the ever point where you never have fear? No. Are you ever really no. without fear when you're like traveling or adventuring or embarking on something new? Like you might be not might not be afraid of it, but you still have mm-hmm. some sort of maybe an anxiety level, even though that anxiety could be like an excitement kind of anxiety. You can have positive anxiety. But yeah, that's a good thing because like uh, one of my favorite sayings is risk. It's what makes life worth living. Yeah. Falling back to. Our good friend Warren Miller. <laughs> right, but that's um, but that's why I think because it is because I think if everything were great and hunky dory and you were just happy go lucky bubbly all the time, it wouldn't be exciting either. Because you because there is something about that trepidation or that hesitation or that little bit of fear, like when we're riding mountain bikes. There's a little right. bit of fear that you're gonna like ride off into the cactus, uh-huh. <laughs> or you're gonna fall off the edge, and even though the risk is pretty minimal that we put ourselves in. There's a little bit there and that, but that makes it exciting. It adds that little bit of excitement to just, we could roll down the paved path and not take much risk at all. And don't have much excitement either. But that's fine for some people. I think then that you would look at fearless being in spite of the fear, you still go out there. So in that yeah. way, you're kind of without fear. The fear is not stopping you. So in that way, you could be fearless. 
Right. You just don't give in to the fear. Yeah. Yeah. There's probably a word for that too. And I just don't know what it is. I like it. There is. It's called intrepid. Intrepid. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Fair enough. Um, okay. Although Why I don't so... know that that's true. No, but I like it. <laughs> we'll just roll with it. All right. So we're talking Intrepid Sojourner because we're actually talking with Andrew Moore for this episode. And he is the, um, I don't know, former owner, I guess you could say, of Intrepid Sojourner Beer Project in Denver, Colorado, um, which also transitioned then into Next Stop Bruco, um, which then also became a casualty of covid so we're saddened by that, but Andrew has a great way of looking at life and goes into all different kinds of adventures after the fact. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you'll see, you'll hear him talk about it, but like he was an adventurer before. Yeah, archaeologist. He was an archaeologist. He loved to travel. A lot of his inspirations for the his brewery initially were from his travels and from hence his travels especially in like the middle east and yeah. stuff so. intrepid intrepid soldier Sojourner. <laughs> <laughs> but so. we met with him i think we it was just before christmas in december on a beautiful sunny day in denver don't tell anybody um, it's like 60 degrees <laughs> on a patio um, outside outside at green mountain beer company in lakewood colorado um, it was a beautiful day. It was sunny. It was a beautiful patio. However, it's also right next to a maybe not quite so beautiful, loud highway. Yeah, so, so there's some noise in the back. You but... can definitely hear the traffic in the background, but that just means you need to grab a beer and pretend that you're sitting on that same patio with us <laughs> having the conversation. That's all that means. Yeah, and yeah. we didn't move inside or anything just to record the podcast because we couldn't. <laughs> well, because yeah, it's the COVID restrictions. You could have blamed it on COVID, but kept it was it outside. But we would have been outside. Still anyway. a beautiful sunny day in the middle of December in Denver. So no, we wouldn't have moved it inside. Probably not. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, you should be outside. Yeah. But it was a which good is, conversation, and I. Oh, oh, I was just gonna say, which is ironically where we're not at right now. We should be outside. But we probably should. But there's a dude ne- nearby where we're at right now as we record who's got his generator cranked up. So we're not sitting outside and, they, and we're not going to expose you to that generator. Yeah, because you're already exposed <laughs> to the loud traffic because the generator honestly is quieter than the traffic. However, we just... From in here it is. <laughs> <laughs> if we went outside, it would not be that quiet. Oops, forgot to hit the do not disturb button. Sorry, I'll fix now. Okay, we're back to the podcast. <laughs> just ignore the ding. Anyhow, we were talking about, oh, where we were. But don't ignore the ding-a-ling. Yeah, don't, because then you'd be ignoring us. Yeah. The ding-a-ling's in the room. Okay. Anyhow, I think we were talking (laughs) about where we were today, because, you know, setting the ambiance. So, actually, today we're recording the intro to the podcast with Andrew. um, From Arizona. Yeah, just outside of Tucson, Snyder Hill BLM, which is a really cool location for being really close to Tucson and the breweries and our friends and mountain biking. Yeah, it's kind of cool. It's a good spot. Yeah, and that's... It's, uh, and more importantly, it's warm. Yes, it's, it's very warm. <laughs> Not more um, importantly, but... So yeah, speaking I'm, of then, because it is very warm and beautiful outside and we are inside recording this, we might have to say you get to listen to the podcast and we're going to go outside. No. Oh, are we going to say that? I just did say that. Oh, okay. Then it's said. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anything more to say? I think what I would say to that is, here's Andrew. Okay. Enjoy. <laughs> so anyhow, we're at Green Mountain Brewery here with um, Andrew Moore. 
I wonder if anybody knows that name out there. I don't know. Are you popular? <laughs> Does everybody know you? We know you. Yeah, I don't know about everybody. <laughs> Some people will remember we did a, a video a long time ago with you. Yeah, so we've like, done. Man, that's been a couple at years. Least one right? podcast before. Yeah, so yeah. It was when it was Intrepid Sojourner Beer Project in Denver, yeah. and then right. we changed to Next Stop. Right. So it's always sort of Intrepid Sojourner in my head. Yeah. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. So, but yeah, that we were closing uh, May. I forget. 31st or something was our last day. Well, yeah, that was the that was the private party day, right? Let me tell you though how cool it is when you get invited to like it. It wasn't cool that you were closing because one of your, your breweries <laughs> like we love to brewery. It wasn't cool that you were closing, but it was really cool that we got to go to like the last day because you're literally over there with your glass behind the bar just serving your own beer. <laughs> yeah, no, it, I mean in that sense it was we had a lot of fun the last couple of days, and so it was a nice way to sort of say farewell. So speaking of like farewell, now you kind of brought it up more with Intrepid Sojourner Beer Project and then Next Stop, tr- transitioning into Next Stop and then transitioning into not a brewery at all. <laughs> Thank you. Amber and Ralph Black. Beautiful glass. Yeah. Thank you. Like I said, we're at Green Mountain getting beer. <laughs> Cheers. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah, you have to do it now. <laughs> we can right, just deal with the table noise. <laughs> so someone told okay, me be careful. that it's German tradition. To tap the table? To tap the table. If you tap the table, it indicates that you're going to take a sip. If you go straight from cheers to your mouth, it indicates that you're going to chug the whole thing. Whoa. I don't know if that's true. Then I must always tap the table because I'm, <laughs> I'm not a beer chugger anymore. Have at this you heard stage another thing life. for tapping the table? Then? Have you no. heard other ones for tapping the table? No. It's to, for those. I wish I could. I always do it. Mess it up because Tim from Strangecraft had a really good one. He's like <laughs> he had a good asking one of his friends. He's like, why do you tap the table after every beer you drink? He's like, because the cheers is for those who are here, and you tap at the table for those who are not. Okay. And so Tim then says, but they're not here. Why does it matter? They're not here. No, it's because they're dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So back to... Back to Intrepid Sojourn. So for people that don't know, you have a background in archaeology. I always want to say architecture. Every yeah, time. Yeah, no, that's... Yeah. I always want to say architecture, and I know. It, 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 people, it's architecture. Um, or the other thing people ask me all the time is, what's your favorite dinosaur? Which is paleontology. I know nothing about dinosaurs. Um, <laughs> don't know how to build buildings. I don't know. know how to build buildings. <laughs> can't find a dinosaur bone. Can't find a dinosaur bone. But, uh, yeah, that kind of architect in uh, archaeology. You see, you made me see architecture. In archaeology. Pretty <laughs> interesting. Um, but, yeah, we opened Intrepid in, what, 2017? And, yeah, we were open for almost exactly three years. That was another reason we stayed open through the end of May. So we got to sort of celebrate our three-year anniversary, even though there wasn't much celebrating at the time. But, um, but yeah. And then we spent most of June kind of buttoning it up and closing everything down. And so did COVID have an impact? Or oh, were absolutely, a big yeah. One? Um, I mean, there were things that we were sort of struggling with already. We're struggling um, just to get the tap room to where we needed it to be, and then, excuse me, with COVID, distribution uh, had sort of dry, sort of dried up. Like we, our intention was always to grow and distribute and go out of state, and we were, were pretty much ready. But with COVID, all of that kind of evaporated really overnight. Well, and if you had stayed open, I mean. 
then you're thrust into this situation now where everybody's distributing because they have right. to to so survive. Right. So part right? of the distribution challenge is suddenly you had, I don't know, making up a number, but suddenly you had 200 Colorado breweries who weren't interested in distributing before. They just wanted to sort of be the neighborhood tap room. Mm-hmm. Now sort of forced into, into distribution because yeah. everyone's trying to scramble and diversify their revenue streams. So the shelf space that you know you were already fighting for that already wasn't there for the guys that were distributing suddenly became even more rare. And like, even though people tend to continue to drink when times are bad, right, the, the purse strings tend to tighten and they're not spending as much. So, so I can get I can get 40 PBRs for $6, right, or yeah. I can get a four-pack of 16-ounce, you know, cans for $15. Or, and if you're if you're sort of new to distributing like we were, new on the, on the scene, right, people aren't asking for you, right? Like New Belgium was selling, Left Hand was selling. So I imagine, I mean, COVID, it was, you know, your brewery was a casualty of COVID. I imagine you really didn't want that to happen, but most people try to do their best to stay positive with all the things that are happening. So like, yeah, you really didn't want that to go away, but how did it, did it have some sort of a positive impact on you and what you can do in the future and what you're doing now? Yeah, what happened when you closed the doors finally? I mean, in a way, it was June was still really busy, even though the doors weren't open. Um, a lot of business things to wrap up. A lot of business, up. and you know, um, put the brewery on the market. Um, and so there were a lot of things to just kind of button up uh, on the business side, and then try to get you know get it ready to get sold and that kind of thing. So, um, but after yeah, it was a little bit of. I mean, in some ways, it was a little bit of a relief, right? Like we've been working way too many hours a week for three years trying to make this work what'd you do so when you stepped back i went i i got on my bicycle i guess um and and, wait you got on your bicycle that's another reason we wanted to talk to andrew yeah (laughs) i got on my my bike i have a surly pugsley that i've been um decking out as a touring bike so smaller wheels um put like a it's got a roll-off internal geared hub on the back wheel instead of like a cassette that goes through all the gears. Okay. It's like in between the wheel and everything's inside. That's um, cool. Just supposed to be indestructible wherever you're touring. Um, and so I went with John uh, Strother, the head brewer uh, at Guanella Pass Brewing. He's uh, also a big skier and cyclist. And we did a, the Steamboat Ramble from Fort Collins to Steamboat over four days. <laughs> How many miles was that? It was... How many miles was that? What comes Was it 250-ish miles? Over four days. Over four days, like 22,000 feet of climbing. Yeah. It was... I mean, it was an awesome ride. It, yeah. It kicked our asses. Um, but it was a night, like, I want to do something bigger. Like, I want to do some kind of longer self-supported um, bike tour. So this was, like, a nice way to ease into that because it was quasi-supported and they would move like a small duffel bag for you and carry the rest of your bike. Okay. You could kind of make changes in the evening and that kind of thing. So is it, all, is it all set up for you where you have a place to stay at night? Yes, yeah, so there are campsites. Okay. Yeah. So you stay in a tent? Yeah. It's a local um, family that puts these rides on. They do a couple every year. One, they do Cal- two in Colorado, one from Fort Collins to Steamboat and then in the fall they go back the other way. Oh. Steamboat to Fort Collins, and then I, they were doing one, I think, in North Carolina. Okay. Um, there's some connection to New Belgium, so they okay. were doing Colorado and 
So you want to be able to do like a touring on your own? Yeah, like, I want to be able to go yeah, self-support. So yeah, this okay. was like a nice way to kind of dial the gear in. Have you done that yet? No. I'm not, well, so in October, a couple of friends, we, we went to, we drove to Fruta and we biked from Fruta to Moab on the Coca, on the Coca Pelly Trail. And that's... Miles. So, if you so do the, the whole Coco Pelly Trail, that goes all the way to Moab. Yeah, from it's 140 Bruta? miles. Um, for us, it was 112. We did 80 miles, and then ran into some trouble with one of the bikes, and it was just it was kind of a brutal ride. Like we were not prepared for uh, how hot it was going to be. Like in mm. for, like in the weeks leading up to the ride, it was like the weather was like oh in the 60s. <laughs> And then it was in the 70s, and it was in the 80s, and then the forecast was in the 80s, and the actual temperature was in the high 90s. This was in, in this, October. This was in October. Oh, yeah. I didn't know. So yeah. we, I mean, we were <laughs> baking, and then it was pretty. It was it was more technical than we were anticipating. Like, it was a lot. I mean, the first day, I think the first day we did 38 miles, and I bet we hiked 15 of them. Freaking oh, hike wow. a bike too? <laughs> and it was just, and it was like up, right? Like oh, things. Yeah things where you know cliffs where we're like forming the chain of success right passing oh, the bikes, passing up, bikes like up. things i couldn't have ridden if i'd wanted to you got a 50 pound bike and yeah. it was like with yeah you've got all your gear the gear on it, and it was, so, but uh, how do you prepare for that like if no one's ever done that like us like we've done mountain biking trails but never done anything like that how do you prepare for that like, is it, yeah um well so i mean on the like on the bike side i think it's just a, a lot of miles right like John and I went out and biked, you know, we did 50, 60 miles, you know, one day a week. We try to get five or six or 7,000 feet of climbing in okay. and then do some small rides in between. Um, so, and on the fitness side, I think it's just spending a lot of time on the bike and then, you know, it's getting out there and kind of dialing the gear in. Okay. We had a, we had a support vehicle for Coca Pelli too. Okay. Um, my dad and a friend of his came and because uh, that's like, water like we couldn't carry enough water yeah, at 98 degrees for four days over 160 miles so if you did that on your own self-support it just yeah, so it, a lot of people will cache stuff yeah um but it just takes more time than we had right you got to go out there you got to basically like drive the whole thing you got to find places where the roads and the bike trails intersect and you can leave caches and so that's kind of like if you're going to go plan on hiking yeah, the Colorado Trail hike, or hike PCT. Yeah, if or, you're going to through hike something, it's not unlike that. Okay. Yeah. So. It's just you're doing, well, I was going to say you're just doing more of the work, but no, you're still hiking when you're walking and hiking. Yeah, 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 PCT. yeah. Just a different, yeah, uh, way of doing it. But yeah, I'm going to, so yeah, the goal is actually this summer to do the Great Divide Mountain Bike Trail. From, really? Um, I haven't decided whether I'm going to do the Canadian portion of it. Can you um, get into Canada now? Okay. Currently, no. Currently, no? Okay. Um, That's so, maybe, hopefully by end of June, beginning of July, okay. you can get into Canada. If not, you can start in basically like, like just north of Whitefish, Montana, and then it goes all the way down to Antelope Wells, New Mexico. When is this? this do you is want like, to do it? Yeah, it's like end of June through... You're going to stop have to along say hi because yeah. we're going to be in that area the whole summer. <laughs> nice. Well, yeah, I'm, my goal, my plan was to, like, send out an email to people who ride and say, hey, do you like, do you want to join me for part of it, right? Because I, yeah. I don't know that I know anyone who wants to join me for two months, but, um, 
I have several friends who are like, yeah, I want to do like this section of it, or I want to do it for a week or you two weeks. You should really get in touch with us. That yeah. might be something that gets us spurred to like train a little bit more because, we're, like I said, we're going to be in the Flathead Lake area for five months. Yeah. And we can take a few days off or something. So yeah. that'd yeah. be really well, cool. We're going to be there with our bike riders too, so mm-hmm. you never know. Yeah, so that's, that's the goal is to get in cool. good enough shape to. Um, do that this summer. Well, and not having some the same person the entire time might be good too, because then you get a break from your friends, yeah, so you, you don't end up killing each other by the end. Yeah, and it's all you know. It's it's twenty. If you don't do the Canadian section, it's like twenty five, almost twenty six hundred miles. Because it's all the way down into New Mexico. Yeah, it's for, and the almost to the border Mexico border. border. Yeah, Antelope, what, Antelope Wells is a small um, border station between yeah New Mexico and Canada. Or New Mexico, Mexico. Right. And then, um, yeah, I forget the name of the border crossing on the in the Montana side. But yeah, basically, follows the continental, mostly the continental divide all the way down. And so, how long do you plan on do, taking to do that? Probably two months. That's impressive. Are you gonna be like? You've probably seen the documentary then, right? Right, yeah. the divide. Yeah, there, and there's a race every year too. I, that will not be me. No, <laughs> you will not be racing. Yeah. I, so I saw the documentary it's kind of off on the side here, but one guy rode the. I don't know if he was in the documentary or if I just read this bit. One guy rode that ride, the same route you're talking about, on a single speed. Yeah. And I was oh, like, I oh my. Because he didn't want all the mechanical issues that could happen with a cassette or something like yeah. you were talking about earlier with your bike. Having the yeah, it's cars. great. Well, it's like the guy in Colorado who did the Colorado Trail on a like a fat tire unicycle. Oh There's like gosh. always somebody doing it better than you. Insane. I so, have no desire to do anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> one of my questions. Every the ride, time, yes, but <laughs> not on, not on a single speed or unicycle. One of my questions that anybody does like long through hikes or anything like that or biking that takes a couple months or so is like how do you support yourself income wise when you're doing that? Did you ha- manage to have enough savings saved up? Or? Yeah, I get savings. Um, uh, my wife is working and and yeah, I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm working in the interim kind of off and on right now. So I've been brewing and consulting for um, a brewery in Bermuda. Bermuda? Yeah, Bermuda. So on the rock craft brewing. Um, in Hamilton, Bermuda. Dude, he's really good at transitioning, isn't he? Like into yes. the next topic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Tell us more about brewing in Bermuda during COVID. Um, yeah, so I found through the Brewers Association, uh, like job board, I found um, my wife and I had ta- had thought about uh, spending some time overseas, like a couple of years, maybe living here, maybe living there, and. Um, so I was just kind of poking around on the Brewers Association board um, to see what kind of jobs there were in there, because there tend to be breweries from all over the world that will post jobs there. And um, found this gig in Bermuda, and they had a brewery, they opened in 2016. Um, it was a husband and wife, and they had a friend who was an avid home brewer, and they liked the beer, and there weren't, there was only one other brewery in Bermuda at the time, and uh, so they opened this small little manufacturing facility, no tap room, uh, three barrel system, and they were just doing quarter barrels and six barrels to bars, local bars and restaurants and hotels. A three barrel production brewery. Yeah, into seven barrel fermenters. <laughs> yeah, they, wow. they were doing, yeah, they were doing 600 barrels a year on a three barrel electric system. That's a lot uh, of brewing. Yeah, it's a lot of brewing. <laughs> um, 
And then when COVID happened, uh, basically shut the whole island down. Nobody, nobody in. You could leave. There are a lot of expats there, so you could go home. Uh, but nobody in. Um, and they shut down all the businesses, bars, restaurants, hotels, everybody, except the grocery store, essentially. And um, so the brewer, who was American, left at that time, came back to the States. And they shut the brewery down, and it's been shut down for you know, six or seven months. Uh, by the time I showed up, so um, Bermuda is starting to open again. The hotels are sort of open in a limited capacity. Restaurants are open, um, you know, in a kind of limited capacity. There's a very rigorous testing protocol. Like, you can't you can sit inside, uh, but you can't sit inside unless, as a tourist, unless you've had three COVID tests. Right? You have one before you go. You have one when you arrive. I guess four. You have one on day four, and you have one on day eight. You're in. I have four, but <laughs> probably not the right ones so like for you, them. <laughs> you can't sit at the bar until you've got that that negative result from day eight. Right? So now you've had four tests basically over the last 15 days. Right? So the chances of you having COVID are, are pretty small at that point. And they're pretty serious about um, enforcing it. It's, I think it's a $2,500 fine if you're out when you're not supposed to be or if you're at sitting at the bar before your eight-day negative test um, how long were you in bermuda that's an five expensive weeks. drink five weeks yeah, yeah that's a very expensive drink. <laughs> it's an expensive drink and then bermuda is expensive already so so yeah. what was your capacity at the brewery down there like did you come in to consult with them just kind of help them get on track or what was yeah, that i guess both a lot of it was brewing getting beer ready to go for them to distribute as things start to open up, but then also like working with them on how to kind of build a small-scale production facility out of what they have, um, and dealing with the distributors and um, yeah, equipment ordering and all that kind of stuff. But it was it was a lot of. I mean, it's funny. Like one of the things I didn't think about between Colorado and Bermuda is that it's the humidity in Bermuda is 90% right and the salt there's so much salt yeah. and the brewery's been shut for seven months oh, no. so you get in and there's <laughs> just like rust and mold I mean even if you do a good job of cleaning it before you shut it all down right, right? it's like you can't just leave stainless steel for seven months basically in the ocean yeah, if you've ever lived in an area that's humid, yeah. like down south or something, or and I'm sure anywhere yeah, like brewers that, who, yeah, just, who are used to a lot of humidity are like, of course, but yeah, it was just a lot of time like um, cleaning and, and getting things ready to go for brewing, and then that sounds like a regular brewing job. <laughs> yeah, <some>, yeah, <laughs> have you been back since then when you were there for the first? No, time? okay, no, I haven't you, been back. Are you going to go back? Yeah, I'll probably again, go or? back once, uh, possibly twice. Um, just kind of depends. Bermuda is starting to lock down again. Their case numbers are going up, um, and so it's kind of unclear how quickly this stuff is gonna, how quickly the beer is gonna move, or you know, if everything shuts down again, it won't move. Um, you know, Bermuda, you know, getting things set up, getting canning machines set up in, in places like Bermuda is more of a logistical challenge. Uh, oh yeah, you can't just like here in Denver. I'm sure people have been pretty lucky because you have mobile canners that come can come around you don't even have to have your own canning well line. you have at you least two canning machine manufacturing companies in the state right right um, and then you're on an island 
Yeah, so in Bermuda, you're 800 miles east. Hey, come over and 800 miles east of uh, South Carolina, basically in the middle of the Atlantic. I could easily see a big investment would be a bottle capper down there. And yeah. just like I'm gonna order some bottles off Amazon and hope they can get them here. Yeah. <laughs> and we're just gonna do what we got to do, right? So yeah, everything is. There's no. There's very little income tax in Bermuda. There's no sales tax. It's all um, import duties, right? So everything. So that makes it more challenging too. Right? Everything that's coming in. So if you buy a five thousand dollar canning machine, you're paying twenty five percent duty on top of that. Plus you're paying thousand dollars to get it shipped there on the shipping container. So you're looking at for a five thousand dollar piece of equipment, you're looking at eighty five hundred, nine thousand dollars. Almost double. It. Almost double. Um, plus then you got the you know if there's any sort of uh, specialized labor in, in required for installation. It's just, so are there any plans for you guys to move to Bermuda and open your own? No, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, it, Not the right it was really nice. It's, it's a beautiful country, and the owners are incredibly welcoming and nice people. Uh, it's a neat little brewery, and there are a lot of neat opportunities there. I mean, it's a country of 67,000 people. Um, there's, there are three breweries, um, but one of them just produces for their sort of group of restaurants. And the other one's not open yet, so they have. And so these guys already have a sort of 600 barrel a year base um, to to build on, and they've got a great distributor now. So, like, I think there's a lot of opportunity, and like Bermuda also, it's just not regulated the way the U.S. is regulated, <laughs> right? Like you can sort of do whatever you want, right? Like. There is some regulation, and you, but it's like much easier. And the brewery is like six blocks from the Bermuda Supreme Court, right? If we want to oh, do wow. something, we just walk down the street and like fill out the paperwork with oh. legal aid. <laughs> and the Supreme Court's like, do we want to let them do this? And they say, sure. The other thing I think is cool is it's just um, it's just like an alcohol manufacturing license. Right? You can make any kind of alcohol. It's not so you can like be a distiller, you can, you can whatever. So, yeah, the only distiller. limitation is you can't, they don't actually allow distilling in Bermuda. Okay. Um, but then you could go down to the, walk down to the Supreme Court, say, hey, yeah. can we stop? Yeah, you, I mean, you, you never could, know, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> you could do that. You could see, yeah, currently, that's the thing, it's like currently they don't allow, but I mean, you could make whatever you wanted to, essentially, on this one license. And then the tax structure is much simpler and... So this sounds crazy, but it's only been like six months or so, right? Since Intrepid closed. It feels like six years. It does. It does to me as well, which is strange. It's, it was just a, this spring. So like, but you've done a lot in that, with that six months, you know, both from a professional side as a brewer and from a personal side, kind of exploring the things you want to do, like the biking trips you want to do and stuff. I don't sit so, still very well. <laughs> so, what's next? I mean, is it? Are you? I know you. You said you want to do the bike trip. So does that? Yeah, I don't know. Well, what's your next stop? What's your next? <laughs> stop? Oh, I, I totally that missed transition? that one. That yeah. Great. <laughs> I did not get. That it's one. still a little mm. up in the air. I mean, in some ways, I'm, I'm still waiting to see what happens with the industry. Well, and personally as well as professionally, because yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm not in it. I like. I love. Intrepid, and you know there were lots of things about the industry that I really enjoyed, and about running a business that I really enjoyed. But there were things that I didn't, right? And part of it is the workload, right? Just being at work seven days a week, 
eight plus hours at a time, right? um, basically, you know, leaving your spouse to do everything else. Um, so, I, so I'm kind of waiting to see what happens. I guess okay. talking. Yeah, I've got some friends who, you know, are interested in you know, doing different things in the alcohol industry. I don't know if it would be another brewery. Still possibly around Denver. Yeah, I don't plan on leaving Colorado um, for any long period of time. Maybe Bermuda for a month or on the bike for two or three months, but I don't plan on leaving Colorado anytime soon. Um, we talked about it. I mean, with Bermuda, like, they want somebody to come and run it for a year. Um, it's just it's bad, sort of bad timing and, and for a variety of reasons. I ultimately decided that wasn't the right move. But, um, so selfishly, I could say, yes, you should totally open up another brewery. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> Because your beers are very, very good. Well, th- yeah, thanks. Yeah, the beers, I think we're always, you know, we're almost always pretty well received. And, um, well, they're very distinct yeah, for anybody who hasn't been there. I mean, you had a sweet basil IPA. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, the smoked peach, wheat heavy, you know. Turkish yeah. coffee stout. Turkish yeah. coffee stout. I have some Turkish coffee stout in the car for you guys. Don't let me forget. See, 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 we forgot the beer we bought I'm for you. Drive your house. I'm gonna drive to your house. Seriously, we will. And we'll drop it off. Oh yeah. Kidding. Because we bought it was a, we've never seen another Turkish coffee style, and it's we saw not a this Turkish one. Oh, what was it? It's a Turkish coffee lager. Oh, nice. Where did we get that? In Reno. Reno. Okay. Pigeon. A place called Pigeon. I drove through Reno in July. Beginning in July, we went and climbed Mount Shasta. Mm. Drove through Reno, but didn't stop in. Pigeonhead. No, I mean, yeah, we're totally going to drop it off. Yeah, because yeah. we bought it for you. And yeah. <laughs> Two blocks from here, and April's like, "You forgot the beer." <laughs> yeah, one day when COVID is history, I've got like four or five kegs of that 19% rye whiskey barrel aged quad in my garage. Really? We'll have a big party, and we'll all get drunk on half a keg of beer. Oh yeah. It won't take a half a keg to get drunk off that. <laughs> that was a fantastic. So then, yeah, that's one we, that we would have just sat on had we not decided to close. So, selfishly, do you have any plans for some of those beers again, or is that just you just keep them in your back pocket until you decide what you're gonna do? Um, I guess just keep them in my back pocket. I mean, so next stop, and so the recipes and the branding is is, is mine uh, now belongs to me, I guess exclusively. So. Um, it's not, I guess, impossible that next stop could happen again. But it, uh, even that, it's like, well, it, it's always intrepid sojourner in my head. So uh, even after the rebranding, about two and a half years in, so uh, I, I get, love that I name. get it, but I still love intrepid sojourner. Yeah, yeah. So I think just just because I think it enca- yeah. it encapsulates you as a person, I think a lot yeah. because you were an archae- ar- archaeologist. Dang it, I'm gonna say. And travel, like. but but not just because you're an archaeologist, but because you love to travel. And I I know from talking to you over the over the last couple of years, it's like, I mean, that was a huge influence on your beer. Yeah. Was your travels to the Middle East and stuff, and and you know just talking now, you you've been in Bermuda brewing and stuff, and you, you love to travel. So. Yeah, I, I still I, love the intrepid sojourn. Yeah, I do too. I, you know, one of the things I think it would be neat, I, I haven't figured out a way to make this cost effective, but like in traveling around, there's all these little breweries like this one in Bermuda. Um, and I feel like, you know, in some ways, the craft beer culture in Colorado would appreciate access to places like that, right? Like, 
if you like a, a if you could get an importer's license, right, and somehow make it cost effective to bring a limited, you know, 12 cases from Bermuda. A suitcase you know, full of beer. My wife and I, we were in Patagonia for our, our honeymoon, and you know, there's a, uh, Porto Natales, there's a little brewery there, um, and like a little gin distillery that's making purple gin out of the Calafate berry, and it's like, wouldn't that be cool if you could figure out how to, you know, there's a, there's a brewery in Amman, Jordan. <laughs> I don't know who drinks it. Really? Uh, but there's a brewery in Amman, Jordan, run by a guy who graduated from CU Boulder. Right? Really? Yeah. He's Jordanian. So, came here for college. Carrick, Carrick Ale. It's like, if you could get those here, you know, if you had like a like a cheeky monk, but sort of like an international right, thing, I think that would be really cool. Yeah, not a thing where you have like Chimay or something, which now is like getting these big business deals going so they can get right. their beer distributed but like that really unique small batch stuff that yeah that you, you, just, you literally couldn't get anywhere else yeah because um, they're not a big distributor but it's just, just not co- you know, it's just yeah. not cost effective to bring in 12 cases of beer from southern chile right like, right because you'd be paying yeah, you know you'd be paying through the nose. a bottle would be a hundred dollars or something you yeah because to get it, it here and, and yeah. you know getting it here coming from some of those countries it's like you can't guarantee that the, the process of getting it from there to here is good for the product right that's true just, um, it would be difficult but would there, be tough, there but could be a market really, there's a market would, for high-end wine i mean that would be you know i don't yeah. think that follows through quite with beer yet but it's it has grown some i mean yeah you know you see the things like sam adams doing utopias and I think that would, yeah, that would be. An, I think that would be neat. To figure that out. So I think what I'm taking away from all this is, when you set your hearts on your heart on one thing, and when something happens to take that one thing away, or it just doesn't work out the way you planned it, there are other things yeah. that deserve and need your attention as well. And then if you really want to come back to that one thing, you totally can. Yeah. Like, and that's, it's hard now, especially, it's hard every year. It doesn't matter what year it is. Seriously, it really doesn't. But it's harder this year in 2020 to just try and keep that positive piece to you. Especially if you've lost your business or lost your dream or wanted to, you know, have these huge trips planned and all these things that you just can't do or lost someone. Yeah. (laughs) And there's just uncertainty hanging over all our heads all the time right now. I think it's just going to be, it's going to be a tough for yeah. years for entrepreneurs period yeah. but it's still all possible and it, and it is and that's just the way I think you have to kind of look at it like I said every year you have to still stay positive and look at things that can come your way and create the things that can come your way it's just a little bit harder in 2020 but it's still completely possible otherwise what are yeah. you going to do wallow in self-pity the whole time and just like hide under a rock that's not life no, it's, it's <laughs> well then you don't get beer then you don't get beer <laughs> but yeah so yeah, I think lots of opportunities to kind of see how things shake out. I mean, one of the things that I loved about, not just Intrepid, but like that I loved about the idea of working with them, uh, owning a brewery, creating a brewery, was sort of the like cheers mentality that everyone has, right? Like everyone wants a place to go hang out. But that like, for me, it was like with the archaeology, the classics, um, it was all sort of like about storytelling. Like creating a place where people would feel comfortable and having a beer and like telling story, telling their stories and um, I think you know that one of the things that when I say like not in a huge hurry to get back into it I, I like I need to go out and like have some adventures and stories before like 
<laughs> shackling myself. It's the wrong way to think about it, but it's still it's still even still six months, so it's still shackling. But yeah. before sort of engaging in another project of that you know, magnitude commitment. Well, yeah, because I think um, I know one of the things for me that really drew me to Intrepid, and I think April too was that story around it. You know, it wasn't just a place to go drink beer. It's like I mean, you you kind of kicked off this idea of travel and everything with it, but then your regulars that came in, like, always added to that. Like, all the books that people brought in, travel guides people brought in, and the bar that had the topographical yeah. maps on it, and it just it just encompassed everything. But It, it fit. It told a story within did. the bar. But yeah. I want to say, though, too, like, yeah, so Intrepid's not there anymore how it is then but the thing is is that a brewery is basically the people so maybe it's not intrepid anymore whatever you do you're going to create something that creates its own story again and so people are going to lean towards that yeah yeah i hope so yeah i hope so you guys doing all good you need some more beers okay at the moment thank you yeah. what do we cheers and do Sunshine in December. Sunshine in December. 60 degree weather in December in Denver. Wait, don't tell anybody. That's why people are leaving California coming to Denver. No, yeah, maybe we shouldn't say that. <laughs> don't advertise it. <laughs> but, you know, everybody's waiting for that magic dial to spin to 2021. And so this is going to probably go out like right around that time. So how about cheers to a brand new year? Cheers, cheers to a brand to new, new year and a fresh start yeah. in many ways. Okay, so yeah, cheers to a brand new year. Thank you 2021 for uh, opening our year with kicking us in the face, trying right out of the gate to top 2020. It should not do that. <laughs> it should not. And it's not going to. It's going to be a great year. I can feel it. I don't care what happened. I mean, I care what happened. But, you know, so the not- things that happening in, at the Capitol that... A few days ago. We're not going to deep dive into that. That's yeah, as I not say, what not we're doing to, here. But, not to get um, into a full-on political conversation, but it just happened, so happened to be as to how we ended that podcast was like, cheers to a brand new 2021, and then all that fiasco happens. So anyhow, I think yeah, I, I mean, actually just recently wrote a blog post <laughs> to where I did something where, oh, maybe it was in the email newsletter. Speaking of the email newsletter, if you don't get that, you should go to our website, livingastartlife.com, and subscribe to it, and you'll get this. But I was just saying that just because it's a new year, Yes, that's great, but every day can be a new day and a fresh start and something to, you know, change something around if you're looking to create that change. Well, really, I mean, not, not even you can go even micro, more micro than that. It's like you just, it's a mindset thing. Yeah. You, you, just, you can start over whenever you want. You can reset things whenever you want. So every you minute. You just have to decide to. Yes. So every minute can be your magical turn of the clock. It can. Yeah. Yeah, because I think, I don't know what we were all thinking that January 1, the calendar would flip over and everything's going to be sunshines and rainbows and unicorns and all that happy, crappy stuff. (laughs) But I don't know. I mean, life is what you make it, so... We get really sappy a lot, but that's good because, like, you have to... (laughs) I'm a pretty sappy But you have to create the life that that you want to live and not the one that you're trudging through and trying to get through. Like Andrew even said that. um, I can't remember the exact word that he said. 
strapped down or when he was talking about the um that's a whole nother thing no no oh, oh my goodness <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm not even going there anyhow andrew even said that when he was talking about if we were asking like what when we were asking what his future plans were mm, yeah. um if he's going to open up a new brewery because selfishly like we want him to because his beers are very 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 good like some of the best beers we've had quite unique but he even said something about like he wasn't ready to be and i can't remember the word but like just strangled down with a new brewery yet but then he even said that wait that's not the right word it's just not time for him to open one yet because now he wants to go on these um you know different adventures and his like really long self-supported mountain biking rides and things like that so just because you don't create something that you want to create like right now just it doesn't mean that you're a failure or you haven't Maybe you just, it just means you haven't figured out that time. The timing's not right for you yet. Well, I mean, I think all, maybe not all, but, you know, most of the really successful people in the world or the happy people in the world, whatever, they've, they've failed on plenty of, failed as air quotes there. But, you know, you, you try different things and see what works and, and maybe it didn't succeed. Like Andrew's Brewery maybe didn't succeed because of business stuff or because of COVID or because of this or because of that. There are plenty of reasons to talk about why something doesn't doesn't come to what you wanted it to be. But that's why you take this time like he has. It hasn't even been a year at the time we recorded this. It hadn't even been a year since um, Next Stop Bruco closed, mm-hmm. which was Intrepid Sojourner. And so he needs that time and, to reflect and figure out is another brewery the right thing? Is something else the right thing? Or is there maybe brewing is still the thing he's going to totally do for the rest of his life, but maybe he needs to figure out a different way to approach it than what he was doing before so that it's sustainable, not just from a business standpoint, but from a happiness standpoint. Mm-hmm. And however you want to relate the brewery closing and his mountain biking to your life is completely up to you, but it's the same type of lessons learned. Yeah, I, th- I think you can take anything, you know, I mean, the the biking, I think, is soul searching, you know, I mean, that that's what I see. Andrew didn't say that outright, I don't believe, but no, that's a little bit of how I feel on the bike sometimes, especially when I'm off, if I'm ever off riding by myself for long periods of time for hours or something, then it's just kind of a, you get in your own little bubble and your own little world of just things just flow through your head and i i see i think i see some of that i think i i think some of that's what's going through andrew i think some of it's just he enjoys biking and wants to do these rides but i think some of it is you get this reflection time you know yeah for yourself and but that could be anything that could be hiking that could be biking that could be sewing knitting i mean Mm -hmm. it can be anything whatever your thing is well some people cooking is a right. reflective time for a lot of people. Just take the time to reflect. Yeah. But and you know what though on a mountain bike? Sorry, it just it just happens to be here in my head and I have to be a smart ass. But on a mountain bike or whatever you're doing where it could be kind of kind of dangerous if you like reflect too much, especially when you're biking outside of Tucson and you just might reflect too much you're and reflect your ass into a cactus. <laughs> Which I did not do. No. Brian did it. Brian pulled a Brian. <laughs> But anyhow, yeah, but actually that's a good, that's a good way to think of it though. Don't reflect your ass into a cactus. In other words, don't sit there and reflect too much and not take any more action after that. 
Right. You don't want to just zone out on it and just let it consume you, of course. Okay. Yeah, because then you ride your ass into a cactus. Reflect your ass into a cactus. Or reflect, yeah, reflect your ass into a cactus. (laughs) Or you hit a rock and squeeze the brakes and go over your ass over your handlebars. Yeah. So, okay, so for more. Not that I did that. Maybe. Not. (laughs) He did. But, you know, miss the cactus. I don't know how because the cacti here on these trails are um, everywhere. It's pretty cool, though. It's really beautiful here with all the cactus. Yeah. Cacti. 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 Okay, on that note. There's a lot of sharp, pokey plants here. What should people people do if they want to keep listening to our... Avoid um, the sharp, pokey plants. Hilarious. If they want to keep listening, well, yeah. Oh, keep listening? To us. What should they do? Press play. They already press play because they're listening. Oh, okay. Yeah. So subscribe so that you know every time a new podcast comes out. And if you could leave us a review, we'd really appreciate that because that does help us get found by other people too. And if you share this with your friends, that's always good too. Tell a buddy, hey, listen to these guys. They're kind of funny and kind of stupid, but they're fun. Buy some beer. So maybe we're not quite so funny. I don't know. Or maybe we're more hilarious. If you buy us I a beer. I think we're more funny when we've had more beers. Okay. I think you're more annoying. And you oh, probably think I'm yeah. more annoying. I don't know about you. I'm going to plead the fifth on that okay. one. But me, yeah, I'm probably, probably <laughs> quite annoying when I've had too many beers. Okay. But that's... All right. Well, we hope that you find your inner intrepid sojourner. Find ways to use those words because I love those words. They're very, very cool words. And give your own meanings to them. How about that? Yeah, don't let us define your words because we're probably wrong. No. Don't let us ever <laughs> define your words. And anyhow, on that one. Because I didn't look up the definition for any of this. Shit. I did. I'm just making it up. But I have a go. cheers because it's funny. You ready for cheers? <laughs> I do want a funny yeah. cheers. Cheers. Don't reflect yourself into a cactus. Yeah, 2021. Don't reflect into a cactus. We're yeah. letting 2020 go. Let okay. it go. Cheers to making 2021 behave just a tiny little bit. But also be a little rascally. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Peace out. We'd love to hear from you, so keep the conversation going. Send us a note, share a beer recommendation or two, or just say hey. This stout conversation has been brought to you by livingastoutlife.com, where you can find community and resources for all your craft beer travel and adventure lifestyle needs. <laughs>